Good day and welcome to the Energy Policy Now podcast from the Climate Center for Energy Policy at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm Andy Stone. In response to consumer interest in sustainability, a growing number of corporations now set goals for environmental performance. According to data from the professional services company Ernst & Young, 95% of the world's largest 250 companies by revenue issue sustainability reports that disclose their environmental and social impact. On the energy front, this often translates into companies setting their own goals for clean energy use. Major companies, including Google, Microsoft, and Walmart, have set 100% clean energy targets. As companies look to aggressively reduce their carbon footprint, some are taking the step of making direct investments in clean energy projects and entering into contracts known as wind and solar power purchase agreements, under which they buy electricity directly from clean energy generators, bypassing utilities. On today's podcast, we'll take a closer look at how companies are cleaning up their electricity supply, even as the bulk of America's electric generation continues to be powered by fossil fuels. We'll also examine the important role that energy regulators play in enabling or frustrating these companies' clean energy efforts. Today's guest is an expert on energy legal and regulatory matters. Ken Kulik is partner with the Morgan Lewis Law Firm in Philadelphia and a senior fellow with the Climate Center for Energy Policy. Ken, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here again. At Morgan Lewis, Ken advises clients on renewable energy issues, energy markets, and a variety of energy regulatory proceedings and transactions. At the Climate Center, he focuses on energy storage issues and teaches energy law and climate change at the University of Pennsylvania Law School. So, Ken, today's episode focuses on the intersection of corporate sustainability uh, and efforts of many companies to switch to clean energy to run their businesses. Before going into the details of that, can you give us a little bit of background on the range of issues companies attempt to address through their sustainability programs and where energy fits into that? Sure. When we're talking about corporate sustainability, we're talking about a wide range of potential activities. And one of the ways of thinking about this is that these are activities that are not necessarily being required by law. They are voluntary in nature. They, re- they encompass a wide range of activities. On the environmental side, it can involve reducing your greenhouse gas emissions through many different tools, including purchasing clean energy, energy efficiency investments, um, reorganizing, reexamining the way in which you manufacture items. Uh, on the social side, it can be focused on your employees. It can be focused on your supply chain. So the word sustainability really encompasses many different things. And for global companies, it can really encompass their entire worldwide operations. The energy piece of it tends to be measured as how much energy are you using to operate your business? That is not necessarily just your facilities. It's the energy in which you are putting into the products that you may be manufacturing. Even this university, the University of Pennsylvania, has tracks its green footprint and helps people save energy as an institution. Uh, as law firms, law firms are polled by their customers now because their carbon footprint is often rolled up into the company's own measurement of its carbon footprint. So there is a lots of interest in how to be more sustainable really across the entire economic chain, even from one single business. So how are corporate entities procuring their clean energy? There's a variety of ways in which companies are obtaining energy now. Half the country is in competitive markets, so they're able to shop. 
uh, for electricity from third-party providers. Others are in what more we call more of a traditional regulated environment where there's a utility that provides you service and they also provide uh, generation to you. But if you're shopping for or looking for clean energy, there are different ways that you can address that need. You may be able to install it on site. So part of the growth of solar in this country has not only been on residential rooftops and large utility-scale projects in the middle of the southwestern desert, it's very much been on commercial and industrial customer sites. Whether it's the back part of the office park or a roof on a big box building at a mall, people are investing in solar that way as well because there's direct savings they see and it's important to their sustainability goals. And for many Consumer-facing companies is a branding issue. We are sustainable as well, is what solar on your rooftop can convey. Um, For the larger customers, like a data center, um, putting a few solar panels on the roof is not necessarily going to meet the actual demand of load of a data center. So you need to do more. And what's been very interesting over the last several years is a number of corporations are going into the market and entering into power purchase agreements for delivery of clean energy. And we can talk about how those contracts work. But traditionally, it was the utilities buying power from a large wind developer, a solar developer. And over the last couple of years, we've seen the corporate purchasers really entering the market. And about half of the market in new generation is being purchased by corporate off-takers and not utilities as before. Now, obviously, that's those products are growing, so the size of the pie is growing as well, but we're seeing very strong, sustained purchasing by corporations to meet these sustainability goals we've been talking about. Uh, just taking a, a step to the uh, renewable energy developers at this point, what opportunities do they see? You just mentioned that a large uh, percentage of the new renewable energy projects have been tied into these PPAs. How important are these PPAs for overall development going forward of of clean energy? I think they're very important. Um, There's a number of policies that have developed over a long time that have led to the kind of construction of wind, solar, and other renewable generation in this country. First and foremost are renewable portfolio standards that states have enacted requiring utilities in their jurisdictions to procure a certain amount of renewable energy, generally an increasing percentage over time. Certainly, the federal government has played a major role in terms of tax benefits, particularly with respect to wind and solar that have driven the growth of those technologies in their deployment. But new customers like corporations seeking to procure renewable energy is, of course, of great interest to people who are trying to build those projects. So you're not competing simply for what a utility may be required or choosing to procure. You've now got a whole other customer who, through the structure and and design of wholesale energy markets, you're able to deliver power to. So how do corporate entities uh, make investments in energy projects or um, uh, structure these deals by which they're purchasing the energy directly from those projects? It's a really interesting process. Um, Many companies engage consultants that help them figure out what their energy needs are. And then they work with those consultants to hold a request for proposals to 
basically solicit bids um, for from developers and generators to, to enter into these contracts. Now, the contracts themselves are pretty interesting. Um, what they consist of generally is a price that the company is going to pay for electricity generated by the project and delivered to the local grid. Now, what does the company get? They get a renewable energy credit, which is a tool generally created under state law that is effectively the measure of the greenness of electricity produced by the project over time. Uh, the electricity itself is delivered to the grid, and between the developer and the company, they have what's called a contract for differences. There's a price that they've agreed upon, and if the price is higher or lower than that price, the parties settle out the profit or the loss made from delivering electricity to the grid at that point. And that gives benefits to both parties. For the developer, it gets a steady stream of revenue. For the company, it gets a bit of a price protection against potential general rises in the wholesale market price for electricity that it may be either paying directly or indirectly through its retail purchases for electricity for its facilities. So it's a, it's a contract structure that has, has worked well. There's, of course, risks. That's why you hire lawyers. But I'm good modelers, but this is a very interesting structure that both developers and companies have found works well for them in terms of meeting these sustainability goals. These power purchase agreements are only uh, currently uh, allowed in about half of states. What's going on on the policy front? Well, in those states where they're competitive markets, it's it's pretty easy to do this. In the states which are more traditionally regulated, the same challenge is there. And we're starting to see some really interesting ways in which people are solving this. Because if you're a large company and you want to you come up to a particular place and you say, I want to put my data center here, everybody's very interested. Um the local governments are interested. There's a lot of jobs there. The local utility is interested because that's new customer load that you can serve. And so we're starting to see utilities come up with green tariffs for their industrial customers that are effectively ways in which they can support the long-term revenue streams also needed for these projects that go beyond what they may be required to do under a renewable portfolio standard, which is in those are now in place in about 29 states. So we're seeing growth also in more traditionally regulated jurisdictions, but with a little bit of a twist that reflects the nature of that jurisdiction. But I think a fair amount of creativity on all sides of this transaction to be able to increase the amount of renewable energy that can be available. So renewable energy credits have been around for quite some time, uh, but we're talking about renewable energy credits within this new context. What's the difference now? The difference really kind of goes back to that interest in sustainability by these companies. It's not just enough to buy the recs now on the market. Many of these companies want to say, we're actually making a difference. And the word for this is additionality. They want to be able to say, my investment, my agreement to purchase this energy led to, in fact, its development. In effect, this really is energy documented in the form of renewable energy credits that is being used to meet the electrical needs of my facilities and is making me more sustainable. 
I, as a company, have actually contributed to the growth of renewable energy. And as this, a, con- a company, you've made a difference. Exactly. You've actually created more projects, more renewable energy generation because of what you've done. That corresponds to your growth. What are the costs of these uh, arrangements to the companies? Well, again, I mentioned many of these companies do an RFP of some form. So they're already engaging a competitive bid process to bring the price down. Uh, and the, I think it's really important to note as we talk about sustainability that these companies are not necessarily doing it to lose money. <laughs> many of the companies are benefiting from these investments. For those companies who invest in energy efficiency, they have a very quick payback period uh, in terms of what they're often able to realize from from capital investment. For these companies, I mentioned there's a, a financial component to these contracts that can work out very well, not for everybody, but can work out very well for a company uh, in terms of ensuring that they're able to meet their energy needs at a fixed price cost. You've gotten rid of some level of risk that is very beneficial. But I think it's, it's important to recognize that part of this trend is really driving the price down uh, for these resources. And by creating new customers, by creating new competitive markets, all of that is, I think, advancing the economics. There's a, a saying I recently heard, I think, from uh, former Energy Secretary Moniz, the climate change started the clean energy revolution, but it's declining cost that's going to finish it. And I think that's what we see beginning to play out here in this sector. A few minutes ago, you mentioned the issue of renewable portfolio standards. That's uh, the the system under which certain states will require that utilities within that state have a certain percentage of renewable or clean energy that they provide to their customers. Um, In many states, those renewable portfolio standards, which some of which decade or decade or more old at this point, have been nearly attained. Once those are gone will the majority of new projects actually be corporate? I think it's hard to say what the mix may be. Um, I certainly note that a number of renewable portfolio standards keep getting revisited uh, to continue to drive those percentages higher, and I certainly expect that to happen. Um, Actually, what we're starting to see now, and I recently wrote a blog on this for the Climate Center, of a march of the mandates in energy storage. So there's all sorts of things that are going to continue to drive the growth of uh, renewable energy, not just this. I do think that corporate offtakes are going to continue to be a a very significant and growing market. Um, But there's lots of different new policy tools that are going to come along to uh, continue to drive growth in this area. At the federal level, is there any particular support for these types of uh, arrangements? No. I think that um, these – in competitive markets in particular, these are the growth of a lot of development over many years to facilitate these types of wholesale transactions in conjunction with the states because renewable energy credits are generally creatures of state law. Uh, There's not a federal renewable energy credit in the same sort of way. Uh, We don't have a federal renewable portfolio standard. 
what other options exist for companies looking to uh, fulfill their sustainability goals? Well, I said at the beginning that there's lots of different choices that people are being made, or people are making in this space. Uh, distributed generation is going to remain a very important one for companies uh, who that works for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think virtual power purchase agreements are going to be very important. As we continue to see the evolution of storage and continuing declining costs, those are going to get rolled in. They may be storage located off at one of these big projects Mm -hmm. uh, in the countryside that's being used to supply a company at its own facilities. It may be integrated in behind the meter storage at a company location itself. So there's I think companies are paying very close attention to the innovation in this space because these sustainability goals are real. People are saying we're going to be 100% renewable energy. Some companies put a timeline on it. Some don't. But everybody's making that commitment. And the ones who have put a timeline on it are going to be very gold on meeting that timeline. So they're paying close attention to the many different ways they may be able to get there. So, Ken, this is a complex issue, lots going on. Is there anything we haven't touched on? You know, I would note that one of the things about having been in the renewable energy space for a while now is I'm constantly surprised at how quickly things happen, even if they look very difficult at that moment. It used to be not so long ago that no one knew what their carbon footprint was. Now you do. It used to be that companies hadn't made sustainability commitments, and now we see some of the leading biggest companies in the world making those commitments. This is becoming normal, expected, anticipated, looked for. And I think that's only going to continue and develop in ways we really can't even begin to imagine now, but are clearly ahead. Ken, thanks for talking. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Today's guest has been Ken Kulik, partner with the Morgan Lewis Law Firm and a senior fellow at the Kleiman Center for Energy Policy. To our listeners, please take a moment to comment on Energy Policy Now on iTunes. Your feedback and ideas are very important to us. And to get the latest policy news, research, and information on events from the Kleiman Center for Energy Policy, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Kleiman Energy. Thanks for listening to Energy Policy Now, and have a great day.